0: Digital money. No, it's not the little numbers that show up every time you open your banking app. Keep listening to find out what the big deal is with digital money and why you should be concerned. Dear people welcome to the future of here at nordic fintech magazine where we uncomplicate banking and finance getting rid of the jargon and making it easy for you to understand in previous videos we talked about how value is being diversified away from money and how digital tokens are now allowing us to capture value that previously had not been part of our monetary systems things like community activities sustainability and fitness are values that thanks to technology, we are now for the first time being able to capture and store using digital tokens. Now, the value of these tokens comes from a number of things like scarcity. So their supply is limited and in most cases finite, as is the case of Bitcoin, which has been programmed from the outset to only ever release 21 million Bitcoins into the economy. Tokens are also valuable because of something called proof of work, which is a mechanism through which The computers that are connected to the network solve a complex cryptographic problem and then get rewarded with tokens for it. But finally, and most importantly, tokens have value because the people who use them believe that they do. I think by now it's pretty obvious that the future of money will be digital. But what is much more interesting is the colossal battle of ideologies that's being fought on the money front, which will impact generations to come. You see, this battle is not about the future of money. What's at stake here is nothing less than the monopoly over the future of trust. So as a society, we are pretty used to outsourcing trust from individuals like you and me over to strong central institutions that enforce the rule of law. Central banks are one of those central institutions, and the role that they play in the control of money is pretty much absolute. Central banks control how much money is injected into the economy, how much money is worth by regulating the interest rates, and they also control through it inflation. But in recent years, we've seen a crisis in trust in central institutions. And we also have been seeing the rise of trust-enabling technologies, which is building momentum towards a paradigm shift in the locus of trust. And that's because technology can now pretty much replace most of the functions of central banks, of regulators, and commercial banks. It can enforce regulation, it can execute monetary policy, it can enable people who don't trust each other to transact, and it can also keep a digital immutable record of every single transaction. But this is where the fiercest battle of ideologies really takes place. On the one hand, we have the emergence of cryptocurrencies, which for the most part are based on a system of values that is radically different from what we have known so far. See, cryptocurrencies are built on technology systems that seek to promote privacy, So when you transact in cryptocurrencies you don't have to reveal your identity which is something quite different from the current system in which you have to go by law through a process called kyc or know your customer all banks have this process and you have to go through it even before you're allowed to open a bank account at the same time they're also transparent in the sense that every transaction that is performed is visible to everyone in the community and in that network they're also distributed which means that they do not require a central authority to oversee the functioning of the system they're democratic that means that the community votes for what new features they want to implement into the system itself and they are finite which means that the value will not be debased by endlessly creating more and more tokens instead what happens is that their supply is defined by the code from the very beginning and then they're also secure So this system can self-correct any attempt from third parties with malicious intent to try to tamper with the system. On the other corner of this battlefield, we have central banks, who are starting to get a little worried about the fact that more and more people are wishing to use cryptocurrencies, both as investment assets, but also increasingly as ways of paying for goods and services. Central banks worry that this trend could actually destabilize national monetary systems. Take, for example, the case of Nigeria, who recently prohibited transactions on cryptocurrencies in the entire banking sector. Or the case of Norway, who is politely asking its citizens to declare ownership of cryptocurrencies or else. In fact, the Norwegian Tax Administration said earlier in 2021, crypto transactions are more visible than many people think, and the agency is following them very closely. In response to the surge of cryptocurrency, many central banks across the world are now running pilots with their own version of digital money. This digital money is called Central Bank Digital Currency, or CBDC. CBDCs, like cryptocurrencies, are digital in the sense that they only exist within computer networks, but they vary significantly when it comes to the principles and the virtues that their systems are trying to promote. To begin with, CBDCs rely on a public system, This means that holders must identify themselves and make themselves known to the state. CBDCs are also state-issued, and as such, they're prone to state monetary policy. Central banks can still decide how much of the digital currency can and will be injected into the economy, and it leaves them exposed to debasement. CBDCs are also centralized. It means that the central bank is ultimately accountable for its issuance and for its use. But unlike cash, CBDCs are traceable, This means that the central bank can know who you are exactly and what you're spending your money on. Now, countries all over the world are already running experiments with digital currency. China is way ahead of the pack, having already issued the first batch of digital yuan into the economy as a way of testing and tracking how the citizens would be using it. The eurozone, for example, is already preparing itself to pilot a digital version of the euro. The U.S. has also announced plans to launch a digital dollar in the next years and lately the United Kingdom announced plans to launch Britcoin, which is their digital version of the British pound. It is estimated that by 2025, one fifth of the world population will live in a country with some sort of digital currency. So you may be wondering, what's the big deal? many countries around the world have already started their move towards cashless societies and most of us already use some sort of digital form of payment when we pay with our phone or with our watches but you see digital money is not only ones and zeros representing how much money you have in your bank account digital money is also programmable money this means that when combined with lines of code known as smart contracts money will become intelligent Digital money will clearly be very convenient for users as it will be able to flow freely and automatically between your wallet and whomever you choose to transact with. Think for example about your car. In the future, you will be able to connect your car to the internet and it will be able to download an app that through the use of a smart contract will allow it to make automated road tax payments. So every time you drive on the basis of how many kilometers you drive, your car will issue payment automatically. Your home appliances will also be able to connect to the Internet and will be able to execute payments by themselves, straight from your digital wallet into the wallet of the manufacturer or or the service provider that you're contracting with. Your travel insurance, for instance, will automatically compensate you whenever your flight is canceled or delayed. So really, the convenience of digital money is huge. But programmable money could also be very limiting. To incentivize spend, the central bank could set an expiry date on your digital money. That means that you will have to spend the money by a specific date or else risk losing it. It could also limit the places where you may spend your money by working only on state-approved stores. Similarly, it could also restrict your freedom of buying certain products or services. Think about sustainability. Digital money could limit the amount of or the frequency with which you buy things like meat and other products that the government considers to be sustainability unfriendly what's most worrying is that digital money especially cbdc's when combined with social credit score systems like the ones we have already seen in operation in china could literally set boundaries on where and how you spend your money depending on your social score so you see there is a real risk that what starts with good intentions promoting things like convenience and inclusivity accessibility and equality could very easily become an authoritarian mechanism for control Which is why I think it's important that as we venture into this brave new era of money, we make conscious efforts to have the necessary public debates that will ensure that these systems preserve values that as a society we all find important. Virtues like privacy, equality, liberty and freedom will only be carried through our emerging systems of trust if we as a society make a conscious effort to preserve them. Thank you all for listening if you haven't done so make sure you subscribe or join our newsletter and follow us for more transformational thought leadership here at nordic fintech magazine